With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Into the next state of mind podcast. I'm Mark Castillo here with Danny Small and Chip Murphy. Take a little bit of a break from our What If series. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, we have a little bit of news to kind of go through here. Actually, with with the Knicks, uh, with Leon Rose, been pretty busy as of late. You know, trying to fill out the front office. We, you know, Scott Perry. We know they brought him back for at least a year. Uh, but building around you know, Perry and bringing in other names. Uh, so that's what we're going to focus on with this show today. The, the three guys that have been hired and brought in to work for the front office, uh, Frank Zanin, Walt Perrin, and Brock Aller, uh, and give you a little bit of information about them. And I'm going to start with you, Chip, because I've heard of Zanin and Perrin before. I know nothing about Aller. Uh, we were talking a little bit about before there. I know he's the cap guy you know, to help the financial situation about this. Uh, but you you, see, you have more information on Brock Owl, a little bit of his background. What are some things that fans need to know about him? Yeah, he's a salary cap guy. As far as I know, his uh, official title still hasn't been set, but he's uh, going to be like Leon Rose's right-hand guy. Like, I think there's a lot of unknown about how much influence Scott Perry's going to have, but I think – Brock Aller is going to have a really significant role. So, but yeah, he's a salary cap guy. You know, uh, I was looking at some quotes from Dan Gilbert, uh, the Cavs owner, and he was basically saying that like uh, Brock Aller uh, eats and sleeps and breathes the CBA. Like he knows stuff about the CBA that hasn't even been invented yet. So he knows everything about it. And I think what he's best known for is, uh, creating the cap space that allowed Cleveland to bring back LeBron James in 2014. I was reading about uh, this Brian Windhorse thing that described uh, the uh, Timothy Moz- Timothy Mozgov trade, sorry, the three-team deal that brought him back, which I guess freed up the cap space for LeBron. It was a midseason deal. And there was, I didn't realize there was all these steps and that, uh, there was like four different trades before the Mozgov trade that made the Mozgov trade possible. And they had to cut certain free agents and sign these obscure free agents just to have the money to take on Mozgov's contract. It was crazy. And I guess David Griffin had a part of that too. But according to this CBS sports thing, uh, the the 2014-2015 Cavs were the first and only team in NBA history to sign a max free agent, obviously LeBron that year and pay the luxury tax in the same season. And it was a big part of that was due to Brock Aller. And he, yeah, it's just reading some of the stuff he did. It's very impressive. And he's obviously signed for the cap. 
And with the 2021 CBA coming up, uh, free agency summer coming up, it's huge to have him. And, and with so much uncertainty about what the salary right, gap is going to look say. like this summer and next summer, yeah, it's great to have a guy yeah. like him, you know, who knows so much about this. And I just think he's an amazing hire. And anytime you go outside of what the Knicks have had over the past few years or at all, I think it's a great move. So I like that they got a guy like this who's, as we've been saying, Nick's Twitter, we've all been saying, a well-respected guy around the league. That's everything you've been reading around him is that he has a lot of respect around the league. So it's, it was good to hear that about him. One thing, uh, I'll just jump in quick. Uh, I think one of the worst takes, and this was just a random person on Twitter with probably like 200 followers. So it, I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. But somebody was like, wow, classic Knicks move to hire a, you know, a cap expert right before they changed the cap. Like the person was, you know, basically saying like, well, when they change the cap, all or will be less effective because he does, he won't know the CBA as well, but that's ridiculous. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. He's going to, he's <laughs> going to be, he's going to be better suited to, you know, figure it out before everyone else does. Right. That's what, you know, that's what it seems like the allure behind bringing in Brock, Brock all yeah, was. exactly. Get yeah. a guy who, you know, when this new CBA comes in, he's going to sink his teeth into it. And then by the time, uh, you know, by the time they, they need some kind of crazy move or some kind of crazy, you know, maneuvering, they have their guy who knows how to do that. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's the timing of it is great because mm -hmm. there is so much uncertainty right now. Nobody knows how the, you know, financial breakdown really that that's happening with the season being put on hold as of right now, you know, there's a new CBA, as you mentioned, chip like that before. So, you know, that the take that you just shared would be idiotic because this mm -hmm. is what this guy does. Even if he doesn't know exactly the number wise, that's his, that's his job. He's going to learn find it out it. quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's his he's going to study it. Yeah. He's going to know it. Exactly. That's what he's going to focus on. That's all his time. He's not doing other things. He's focusing what is allowed everybody's cap space, all those things like that. He's going to know what they can do. And, you know, I, again, I didn't know anything about Aller. To be honest, uh, I didn't know he was involved in, in the Cavaliers and the maneuvering that took place there because I do remember that chip uh, of how many moves they had to make in order to move things around to make that cap space even possible to go ahead and get LeBron James and all that. And I didn't know he was one of those guys. I always thought it was Griffin as well. So it just shows you guys like this are kind of needed in that with the, two, the, the big free agency that's coming up in a few years as well because we all know – Again, the Knicks are trying to put themselves in position to go ahead and have enough cap space to try to lure one of these big-name free agency, whenever that is. I think, what is it, 2021 or 22, whenever that summer where you know, Giannis becomes yeah. available. Um, you know, yeah, 21. There's another big free agency class that the Knicks are looking to get involved in. You need somebody like this that's good handling money to make sure there's no contracts, which I thought last summer the Knicks did a pretty good job with that, right? You know, signing these contracts one year, get them off the book type thing. But it just helps to have somebody that knows what they're doing uh, money-wise and making sure the Knicks are always in a, in a great cap space type situation. You know, it, I know it's crazy to think about going into another sport here, but I'm just saying, like, the, the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I know that's all that matters here, but I saw something like their cap space was like $300,000. So you'll have somebody like this to make sure that cap space is never a problem, that they always can find ways to kind of maneuver and open things up like that. So. Um, I, I didn't know that he was a part of that, that Cavalier 
maneuvering, but that that is pretty impressive what had to be done that summer in order to get LeBron James back. Um, I didn't know that. So that that as you guys have mentioned, it seems like it, it's a pretty good hire from the Knicks from that perspective, a guy that's just going to have to focus solely on that. And I think it's smart to bring guys in on that. So that way you don't have to worry about so many different areas. You can assign guys a different spot and it makes, I think, more productive workload. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about what I've heard. And I think Knicks fans should be excited as well, having a guy that knows how to handle money and, and keeping the cap space alive. I think it's great. Now, I know also as well, uh, Frank Zanin, uh, Danny, you, you have more information on him. I, I believe another OKC guy, right? You know, comes from the Thunder. Yeah, uh, Frank Zanin, he's a, um, he's a pro personnel guy. Um, that's kind of his specialty, which that's, I guess that's kind of the theme of the episode for us tonight is um, looking at these three guys. They all kind of have their specialty. As Chip mentioned, um, uh, as Chip mentioned with Aller, sorry, I blanked for a second. Aller is the cap guy. Frank Zanin is the pro personnel guy. So kind of, you know, a lot of these, uh, I guess, concerns Knicks fans have, rightfully so, with, you know, Scott Perry being able to build a team. Frank Zanin is going to be kind of a pro personnel guy. He's, he's built um, or he's helped build those OKC teams, which, you know, I mean, obviously this year people expect them to be down. They were still good. They were always competitive in those years with Russ. Um, but, yeah, let me just jump back because uh, that's what he's doing, what he was doing just before the Knicks was OKC. But he actually started as a scout and a video guy when he was in Philly in 99. And he was in Philly from 99 to 08. He was there with Billy King. And then Billy King ended up going to the Nets later, which Frank Zanin also ended up going to the Nets. Um, he was a scout with the Nets from 2010 to 2012. And then he eventually moved up to assistant GM. So he was the assistant GM with Billy King on the Nets um, right before Billy King got fired. And obviously that infamous trade, um, you know, Billy King, that's kind of the thing he's most known for. So on one hand, you have Zanin with, um, you know, Presti, who I know on this show, we've We've sung Presti's yeah. praises, you know, ad nauseum when we were thinking about, you know, who we, who would come in, you know, kind of pre-Leon Rose, we would talk a lot about Presti. So on one hand, you have Frank Zanin, you know, we, we like to see that. That's a good sign. But on the other hand, I know a lot of Knicks fans are going to be down on Billy King just because I think he's gotten, at this point in his career, he's, he's so tied to that infamous deal that sent um, you know, that sent uh, all those draft picks to the Boston Celtics for those aging stars, you know, Pierce, Garnett, Jason Terry. Um, but with that said, I mean, Billy King, he was a GM for, you know, how many years in the NBA? You're, you're not a GM for that long without, you know, being decent at your job for at least part of those years. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of Zanin's background. He's a Philly guy, actually. He played against Kobe in high school, um, actually. And Kobe, yeah. Kobe and him were, were decent friends. Um, it's a little, like, trivia for you. Um, Kobe, uh, actually, it was Jeff, Jeff Ballone. I think he tweeted it out from the Daily Knicks account. Uh, there's a, an old article where Kobe was praising Jeff Zanin after they – or not Jeff, Frank Zanin after they played uh, a high school game against each other. So there's a lot of um, – like, the Kobe thing, that's just kind of like an interesting bit of trivia. But on his background with the teams, there's a lot to like about Frank Zanin. Uh, he's been around for a long time. 
he has his his niche which is that pro pro scouting pro personnel building a team like that um which is definitely something the Knicks needed uh and then you know I think obviously we'll get to um we'll get to Walt Perrin last who kind of completes the uh the trio but I think at least from where I'm sitting the Frank Zanin hire looks like a nice a nice addition and I don't even know if I mentioned this but he's going to be assistant to the GMs or assistant GM, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I, I think looks like it looks like a good move. Looks like it's a complimentary piece that could make the front office work. And uh, I think he's, he's got a solid background. I, I go back to the Presti stuff. He's such a great executive. Anyone who comes from him, you got to kind of, it, it makes your ears perk up a little bit. You know, I know uh, one thing that you pointed out right there, you know, coming from OKC being, uh, as you said, uh, I think we're all pretty high on, on Sam Presti and love uh, the job that he's done at OKC, the maneuvering he's had to do. So we can't get him uh, taking one of his guys. I, I think that's, you know, that, that can work for me uh, as well. Um, you know, Sam Presti fan just have to throw out there once again, as you said, we kind of, we kind of run that into the ground, but I think the guy's a genius. So I'll take one of his guys for sure. Uh, but of course, the third guy that's brought in is Walt Perrin. Uh, Walt Perrin is, he's been around for a while. He's, you know, started off in Minnesota back in the mid nineties, uh, was a scout for them. And then after, you know, a few years in Minnesota, he became a, a scout for Detroit. Uh, but for the last, you know, 20 years or so has been with the Utah jazz working as their uh, currently their player personnel kind of vice president uh, of that department for the jazz and, um, you know, what, he, what this guy is going to bring in is, you know, developing uh, or, or not developing, but the draft prospect and, and, you know, has a history of drafting well, you know, with the Utah Jazz. And if you think about it, pulling a guy from the Jazz organization, that the Jazz organization has been one of the most consistent organizations over the last 20 years or so. You know, they, they had a little bit you know, when they lose Malone and Stockton where they kind of went downhill a little bit, but it didn't take long. You know, they have done a nice job over the years of drafting guys, developing guys, uh, and, and usually putting out one of those really productive teams. They may not be a team that wins the NBA championship, but they put together a pretty solid product year in and year out, uh, you know, over the last 20 years or so, and he's a big part of it. And, and you know, one of the coaches that I have around here, uh, where I'm located in the – actually where I go to school at, uh, Coach Dave Dickerson, at USC Upstate, uh, he actually worked with Perrin because he was a part of the scouting department. Coach Dickerson was for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Coach Dickerson was one of those that was involved in drafting a player uh, such as Donovan Mitchell a few years back. And, and that's, of course, uh, what Perrin has been able to do over the years of finding guys like uh, Donovan Mitchell, of course, Rudy Gobert, um, and, and Gordon Hayward. So what he's going to bring to the table with the Knicks is, you know, finding those right guys in the draft. And I think that's huge for the Knicks because we've talked about it here. We know what the Knicks' plan is. We, we know that they have the big aspirations to keep cap space and keep themselves in the running to land that big-name free agent. But what we have talked about so many times on this show is if you want to do that, that's fine, but you also have to make sure that you're not missing in the draft, right? You need some of these young, talented players to make you look a little bit more presentable to these big name free agents. You know, if you've got some young studs on your team, it makes you a, 
a more desirable place. You got a little bit more of a, a supporting cast to, you know, attract these free agents. So hitting in the draft is important. It's something the Knicks have not done well, which you all know of. I seen something the other day that blew my mind, but you know, Charlie Ward was the last draft pick the Knicks had that they gave a second contract to. That was in 1994. That's 26 freaking years since we've been – and I know Przingis would have been a guy because we didn't miss on him. He's a great player. He just wanted out. But still, the Knicks don't have a great history of, of drafting and nailing that right guy. So this guy has drafted a few gems or at least part of that decision-making. Hopefully he can bring that over to the Knicks because if we don't miss in the draft, I'm telling you, we become more attractable to these big free agents with having cap space, of course, because you've got to pay the freaking guys. But they want to come to a place where they have a little bit more of a supporting cast. So I actually remember talking to Coach uh, Dave Dickerson on my radio show and asking him about his time in Utah as a scout. He's mentioned Perry a few times working with him and several other guys and saying, you know, it was a great team effort there. Um, so I mentioned to you guys, before, going to try to get in touch with uh, Coach Dickerson, see if we can get him on to give us a little bit more insight on Perrin, if, if he can, if he has the time for it. Um, you know, because obviously he knows him and has more knowledge about him than I would. Uh, but what I've seen and what I've heard in his track record, I think this is another big, uh, you know, hiring for the Knicks. They're they starting to surround their team in the front office. Uh, I give Leon Rose a lot of credit so far. That's what we talked about when Leo Rose was hired. It's really about what he does next, you know, finding those right guys to kind of go around him. And these guys have a history of being successful. I, I give my hats off to him. So far, so good. It may not work. We don't know. Time will tell. But he's at least making smart decisions to bring in guys that specialize in different areas that can help make this successful. So, so far, I like what I'm seeing from Leon Rose. I'm really excited about the parent hiring because of his track record through the draft. Everybody knows from my perspective how high I am on the draft, even though I would be the worst GM ever drafting. Um, you know, a lot of my guys that I'm in love with, they don't work out, but I don't get paid to do that. So it's okay. <laughs> I just give you guys my opinion and then they go from there. They have to hit. I don't have to. I'm not always right. Um, but you didn't hit on Dennis Smith, that's no, for sure. No, no, I didn't. Hey, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still saying Dennis Smith Jr. might be a very talented player, but he's going to just lose for the rest of He might be a 20 points per game guy somewhere else for a really crappy team where nobody cares about him. That's kind of the feeling I get. They're trying to push him to my magic, and I don't fucking like it. I don't, <laughs> Ooh, that's, yeah, that's it okay. yeah that, I don't see that being a fit either for him because he wants to be the main guy, apparently. And I was wrong about I wanted him as well, but it's not like. Frank has necessarily been a home run either. You know, it's been a little flashes here. He's better than Dennis Smith. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, that, that's pretty sad. <laughs> that's pretty sad. <laughs> but you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. So I'm just saying, though, uh, you know, he has a history of drafting, you know, Gobert, Hayward, Donovan Mitchell, some guys that developed into some really talented NBA players. Knicks can use that, you know, and hopefully they can – you know, hopefully Barrett works out. Hopefully Knox can straighten up and then bring it into some of these other draft picks that we have coming in. We start to hit right. Things start to become better for the Knicks where they look more desirable. There's a supporting cast. That's what I'm most excited about. I think this signing or this hiring, I should say, is a home run for the Knicks. Gives us a better chance to be successful in the draft. Uh, I just I want to open up the floor for Chip. Because Chip had some very strong opinions when we uh, when we recorded a Scott Perry episode, oh, Scott the Perry, rapid right. reaction. Yeah, I, Scott. I was, was going to go into that too, Danny. I was about to say, so you know, I seen you tweet 
uh, Chip earlier saying that you might have jumped the gun a little bit. On well, that's actually – so. you got to give Chip credit. He tweeted at me saying he might have jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, yeah I did. right, right. I did tweet us. at Danny mm-hmm. that I may have overreacted a little bit when Leon Rose decided to uh, bring back Scott Perry. I think I – my exact quote may have been, I've lost all faith in Leon Rose. I'm not sure. I think it <laughs> that might have more been or it. less. Yeah, more or less. That was yeah. <laughs> might have been a slight overreaction. Uh, that's what happens when you record a podcast an hour after something happens or whatever it was. Yeah, that was when it was like announced just... that Scott Perry was, yeah, it was right after it happened. Immediately. Yeah, we, but, we, didn't, we didn't waste yeah. time. But I, that's what I like fired up chip more. Fired up chip is great. Yeah. <laughs> great episode. It really did. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I was very angry at the time that that happened. But no, I'm I'm psyched about the uh, parent hire. I really am because especially with the Donovan Mitchell stuff, you look at that. Uh, Mike Vorkanoff's piece for the Athletic, where he described uh, how influential uh, Perrin was in convincing. Mitchell and his agent to even work out in Utah because at the time Utah didn't have a lottery pick. They traded up 11 spots to get him and he had to convince Utah and everything that Mitchell was a lottery pick and to trade up. And I was looking at some uh, tweets from some Utah people and they were saying like, there's, there's no way that Mitchell and Rudy Gobert would be with the jazz right now. If it wasn't for Walt Perrin, like they're draft. Mm-hmm. record is fantastic right. since he got there like i know darren darren williams obviously was a high pick but darren williams uh paul Millsap, mm-hmm. uh mo williams was a Ingl- second round pick english was a word at nine and was then english obviously you have gobert and mitchell no ingles got remember they picked him up as undrafted free agent remember okay, the clippers right, had yeah. him and cut him yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah but still Great find. Mm-hmm. Great find. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, like just kind yeah, of – That's that's what I'm excited about tonight. It was pretty cool because, you know, when we were talking about doing this and like, hey, let's kind of showcase these three guys. Once I, uh, once I seen the parent hiring, like I said, I kind of knew who he was from hearing through, uh, you know, Coach Dickerson. And, you know, he mentioned him actually by name and some other guys they worked with. I remember doing that interview. That was about a year ago. And I actually remembered the guy. So I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I've heard about this guy before. And, you know, I looked it up, of course, and I was like, I'm right. So um, I, I pretty much feel like, you know, with my perspective of building through the draft and all that, to me, Leon Rose, my question was, who are you going to bring in to help out with that? And I thought he did a fantastic job finding a guy that has a, a great track record of drafting and knows how to evaluate talent. Because I say that I think the NBA draft, it's not easy. You know, you you got less draft picks, of course. You know, it's it's easier to miss than hit in the NBA draft. I think anybody kind of can figure that out at least. You know, you usually get a few really good prospects. Yeah. That are like even really the Jazz. Even hit. the Jazz had right. terrible misses. They had they took Dante right. Exum. I mean, mm-hmm. you're all everybody's gonna have misses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just it, gotta it's not. 
you got to get get that batting average up as high as you can. You know, just, right. just get yeah. as many hits as you can. Whether it's you know whether it's a superstar who's going to change the course of your franchise, or it's you know a, a three and D wing that can you know hold down hold down that the you know first guard off the bench or whatever. You know, you got to hit on you those talk- rotational guys. You ever hear Daryl Morey tell the story of how he had Joey Dorsey from Memphis uh, ahead of mm-hmm. uh, DeAndre Jordan on his board? He took Joey <laughs> Dorsey ahead of DeAndre Jordan. Like, oh. imagine if DeAndre Jordan were on the Rockets. That would have been crazy. Right. But, yeah, every GM misses in the draft. Look at uh, yeah. Danny Ainge's draft record mm-hmm. is spotty. It's right. It, 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 it's to me, and I was actually thinking about that the other day. I was like, you know, I know I'm really picky with the draft, and I get, like, all butthurt at the Knicks a lot thinking about, like, the history of draft picks. But I also understand how hard it is. Like, it, it's less draft picks. You've got 60 picks overall in the draft, so you probably only had two picks in the draft. It's not easy to nail on that right guy. Everybody swings and misses a lot. It's just the Knicks seem to do it more and not have uh, that, that elite. You know, Brzingis would have been that exception, right? It didn't work out very well through a whole lot of different things, whatever, you know, I'm not getting on the Porzingis thing here, but I'm just saying, you know, that's alarming to see since 1994 that we have one damn rookie that we gave a second contract to. I think that's first, I think it's first round picks. First round, first round, yeah, first round. Like the point, the point is still well taken, you know, like it's, it's, they, these guys who are first round picks just aren't getting you know, they're not right. sticking around long enough, whether it's, you know, on one end of the spectrum where it's like they're not good enough, so the Knicks get rid of them, or Porzingis where they are good enough, but it just doesn't work out from, uh, you know, a fit, culture, et cetera, uh, perspective. Right. It, 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 We've had undrafted players get good contracts. Remember Ron Baker? Yeah. <laughs> Ron Baker. Uh, I, was, I was thinking Alonzo Trier. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. Ron Baker. He sucks, but I love him. I still love Ron Baker. He sucks, but I just like him, man. He's awesome. But he does everybody, suck. everybody loves Ron Baker. <laughs> Such a terrible, terrible contract, man. Oh my God! Don't get oh, don't get me started on this thing. Well, that's that's why they have Brock. All, well, that Brock Aller can figure out a better contract for Ron Baker, and then Frank Zanin can say, "Yeah, we don't need Ron Baker." Yeah. <laughs> Better contract than Steve Mills could have figured out. Yeah, Jesus Christ! The no trade clause. That's what. That's what got me the best. They put a no trade clause in Ron Baker's contract. Like they, like he needed it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, what, like, is this really? This is real life. Like, you look this up and go, what the hell? This yeah, I don't know how that no nego- I don't know how that negotiation worked out to get to the point where, like, no trade clause was on the table. Somebody was drunk. That's oh, all. Did you see that Landry Fields thing? No. What was that Landry Fields thing that just came out when he he was talking about his? Remember his Raptors contract? He got like fifteen million dollars or oh, something. Yeah. Said sounds familiar. I he feel was like talking I saw about it. it. Yeah, I think I feel like he was talking. Yeah, he was talking. Yeah, he just said he was doing an interview recently, and uh, he said that when the Raptors offered him. <laughs> an 18 million dollar contract he's his uh his response to the uh contract was did you say eight or 18 <laughs> 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 he, he thought he thought they were joking with them 
Jeez. Well, I saw that TV contract. That's, 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 that's when, when all that revenue came in. The guys were getting yeah, overpaid. That's when that uh that's when whoever the Raptors GM was at the time just went, Oh shit. It was I not Maasai, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was not it was pre Maasai, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh no, I, I screwed that up. Yeah. But I mean I, I think the big thing looking at it is and this is what we talked about the day that Leon Rose was hired. And I think we all kind of said around the same thing is, okay, this is the guy that we got. You know, at this point, we got to give him a choice or a chance, excuse me. Um, you know, we, we talked about other names that we would like to see, but it is what it is. It's worked for, you know, the Lakers recently with Palenka becoming the, the general manager, stuff like that. But the big question for all of us was who was he going to surround, uh, you know, in the organization? And that's going to be the biggest thing. You can't, you got to have the right team. You got to bring in the right guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you guys this question, but at least for me, looking at what he's done and trying to build an office so far, I I don't know if all these guys are going to work out. They may not. We might be talking about something different a year from now, talking about, like, God, we got to get rid of this guy or this guy, you know, type thing. It always happens that way. But at least for right now, you can see what he's thinking. Uh, and I, I'm very happy with what the Knicks have done so far in the front office to better position ourselves moving forward. So, you know, what are your guys' thoughts on this so far about Leon Rose overall with all the moves that he's made surrounding himself uh, with, with these different guys to kind of help build the front office? I think, I think you know, so far so good. I mean, it's always – I think uh, I, I was talking with Macri the other day on, uh, on my new pod. Um, we were just kind of talking about the Knicks and how we kind of – um, I was saying how I bought into Fisdale and Perry and saying like, okay, I think this, that, you know, they have the right guys in place when all, when Fisdale was first hired, I bought into that. Now I'm kind of at the point where no matter what, I'm going to be cautious about whether I'm not, I'm like, oh, this is the, these guys are in the right direction. You know, they can fix it. I don't know if they can fix it, but I can't, Real, you can't criticize these moves too much right now. When you look at, yeah. when you look at all three of them together, because maybe one at a time. If you're looking at Frank Zanin, it's like, okay, I don't know much about Frank Zanin, but you know, whatever. Or I don't know much about Brock Brock All or Perrin, whatever you know it is. But when you look at all the moves together, they make sense, which is kind of all you can ask for at this stage in the game. Just make sense, make you know, legitimate like normal moves that that competent NBA organizations make and then go from there. And obviously in, you know, our circumstances of uh, shutdown season and everything, not a lot can really happen, but all things considered, I, I have to say so far the, uh, you know, quote unquote off season, uh, you know, hiatus, whatever you want to call it so far, it's gone pretty well for the Knicks. I would have to say. Yeah. And yeah. let me ask you this trip. Uh, the front office moves we like so far. If Leon Ruiz hires the wrong coach, how much has this just ruined it all? You know, I, if he hires Mark Jackson, just I, I had to. Ask, <laughs> oh he God, he's come not going to do that. Come on, he's not going to do that. What, what if he's he hires Mark Jackson? I, I can't help it. I just oh. had to throw that in there for you. Uh, you know, God, if he hires it's confession Mark time for me, man. It's confession time for me. And you guys already know. I've already said this. I already shared this. Like six, seven years ago, I was on the Mark Jackson train, right? Like, but it was like freshly after mm -hmm. he got out of Golden State, you know. Told you guys this. The other day, 
I got, you know, a Facebook memory from a status I put out that was talking about why the hell would we want to hire Steve Kerr when we can get Mark Jackson? Oh. This was like seven years ago. I deleted it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't believe I was this dumb. I deleted it. It was so bad. I was like, I don't want anybody to ever know I was thinking that. That's uh, brutal. That should be a what if we should do. What if yeah. Steve Kerr said yes to Phil Jackson and coach the Knicks? That should be a what if. That's that a good one. Do. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we got to mark that one down. Yeah. I love that one, actually, because there's a lot of things that I thought about Steve Kerr that, you know, I, I was obviously wrong about. Um, but again, with what if we just sorry, Matt, not to cut you off, right, but just what if we had a competent coach? Like, what if we had a competent <laughs> coach right from the start? Like, even even that clown Charlie Rosen said in his most recent anti mellow comments, he said D Fish wasn't ready for the job. So if even he's going to admit it, obviously we know it, right? right? So what if we had a competent guy like Steve Kerr? It's an interesting thought. That is a good one. That, that I would have a lot of thoughts about that. A lot of uh, more confessions, I guess, I would have to make. Uh, that I, yeah. just, I, I figured you guys would like hearing about that. I yeah. almost, I almost <laughs> took a picture of it and sent it to you guys, but I was like, I'm going to delete this. I'll tell them about it, but they, they'll no probably evidence. never let me talk on the podcast again. Yeah, you don't want any <laughs> evidence of that anymore. Yeah, it was real bad. I was like, "Oh my god!" I, and I like Mark Jackson. I do like personally. It's not. It's not like I don't like him. It's just I, I we've been in down that road before. You start really thinking about something. There's a lot of question marks for me, and, and that's kind of really it. But uh, I I thought that was funny. That that was a couple of days ago that came up, and I was I was cringing. I was like, "Oh man!" I, there's some things that yeah. some things that I get really passionate about that just make me look. They just blow up in my face. Like, I don't have a problem admitting I'm wrong, you know, like the Dennis Smith I, I laugh about it now. There's some things I've been right about, but, you know, over the years, that's how it is. But, my God, there's some things that I'm very passionate about that I just go, what was I thinking? You know, and that, that certainly was, was one of them. Uh, that was pretty funny. That was a very bad reminder I got this week. But, big story. We, we know he's not going to do something like that. But, nah. you know, Leon Rose is off to a good start is the point that I'm making here with the front yeah. office thing. Now, let's see what he does with the head coach. Uh, whatever decision comes out with that, we'll have to probably wait even longer because we still don't know what's going on with the season at this point. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's the next step is, you know, who's, does he get the right guy in there? Um, yep. Like None of it matters if he doesn't hire the right coach. Exactly. That, that's, that's the big question. It's a good start, but you got to find the right leader to lead this one. Well, they, yeah, and start developing these guys. They got to keep – if they're not going to make Mike Miller head coach, which my, just my gut tells me that they're going to go a different direction just because Leon Rhodes is going to want to put yeah. his imprint on the team. His own guy, right. I, I, think, I think they got to do whatever they can to keep Mike Miller around, whether that's make, you know, the new coach. I, I hope so. I know, I know a new coach wouldn't necessarily want to have someone foisted on him. But if it's, you know, a guy like Tibbs, they know each other. They've worked together before, I believe, yeah. on Team USA mm -hmm. stuff. Or at the very least, and there's they the have, Van Gundy connection. Yeah, they have those too. connections, so it's like, yeah, I think keeping Mike Miller on would be, in my opinion, would be a really good move, just because uh, so, yeah. he has such a good relationship with Mitch. I mean, going back to Mitch's rookie year, I, well, at the, his rookie year, he was he was with uh, uh, Miller was still with the G League, but that summer after Mitch's rookie year, Miller has like worked with him for a, a big portion of the summer. This year, like, he was basically the driving force behind Mitch's 
resurgence. So I think there's a place for him in the organization, even if they want to, um, you know, they want to make a change for the head coach. But I think the fact that Rose held on to Perry makes me think that he might do something similar with, uh, with Miller, you know, want to kind of keep him in that, that top role on the, on the bench. What we usually do, I guess it's becoming a little bit of a, a tradition of the show right here. I call the last call segment of our, our podcast, just our last closing thoughts. If you guys have anything else you would like to add on the topic today, these three guys that have been brought in, uh, the job that Leon Rose has, any closing thoughts from you guys? For me, uh, my closing Danny, you want to go first? Yeah, <clears throat> I guess I'll just say my closing thoughts are that Maybe not every move looks great on its own or like in a vacuum, but together, and I've said this, it makes, it makes sense that what, like the things Leon Rose is doing. It, I think if you're a Knicks fan, you have to be a little, um, <clears throat> a little excited about it, but at the same time, cautious optimism, I think is the way to go because as we've seen time and time again, even when it looks like things are trending in the right direction, there tends to be setbacks along the way. I agree. I, my closing thoughts are, <laughs> I was wrong about to, to jump the gun again, jump You're the gun a, a little bit. Uh, yeah. On Leon Rhodes. Uh, and I'm happy that they went out and hired people from good organizations, Utah and Oklahoma city. Um, the Scott Perry thing bothered me a lot keeping him, but uh, whatever. Now, now looking at it, they've hired, They've hired three other people. I, I mean, I assume he'll just be phased out and put off in the background. I mean, I'm crossing my fingers that that's what's going to happen, and I hope so. Now that he's brought – now that Leon Rose has brought in so many influential people, so many respected people, uh, I, I mean, just – there's – it speaks a lot to Leon Rose's connections that we were talking – we've talked about so much that he was able to find these people who are kind of – I mean, known and – league circles but not like stars that have been talked about for jobs I don't think and he was just able to pluck them despite everything that's going on he just was like I'm gonna hire these two guys within two days of each other mm -hmm. I'm just gonna take them both and I'm gonna take this one guy who's been with the jazz for 19 years and hire him yeah. because I'm Leon Rose I'm just gonna hire him but uh yeah it's it's great I mean I guess my favorite hire is the Walt Perrin hire. I just, I'm really I'm excited, very about, excited that about that one. Because yep. he's a, yeah. Agreed. Just because he's a draft guy and we need good young players and shit. I mean, who, who better than a guy like that who's been doing it yep. for so long and has done it so well? Like, I'm excited about that. And then uh, a guy who's worked with Presty. I mean, shit, who's been scouting players with Presty? Come on. Mm -hmm. Great hires. And then a cap expert too. I mean, I, I'm trying not to get too excited because it's the Knicks. And like Matt said, we haven't hired the coach yet. Mm -hmm. And if Mark Jackson does happen, <laughs> I don't know how I'll react to, I don't know how I'll react to that. Not well, but I don't think it will. I still think it's going to be Tibbs. We haven't heard anything that proves that it won't be Tibbs. I'd be shocked if it weren't, if it were someone that wasn't Tibbs. Uh, and the more and more, that I'm, I, I really wanted it to be Kenny, like, uh, like I think 
I'm not, well, I'm not sure if you guys wanted it to be, but I think we kind of. I like Kenny. I do um, like Kenny. Yeah, yeah. I think we kind of agreed on that. And I know, Danny, you like Tibbs a little bit, but uh, the more and more I realize it's probably not going to be Kenny, I've kind of come to terms a little bit with Tibbs and just cross, like me and you, Danny, were talking about Tibbs potentially changing his tune and kind of crossing my fingers with now that I know he's going to be the coach that he's really is going to change his tune and be a different kind of coach, but I don't know. I mean, and now I'm rambling and shit. Let me, I'll, well, I'll, I'll actually, I'll just jump in here. Um, the, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name, but John K from the athletic who covers the Timberwolves. Um, he, I saw he, he had a tweet recently. Great. Yeah. 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 He's fantastic. And I'm, uh, Krasinski or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm butchering his name, but he had a tweet, someone saying that about Tibbs, like basically saying, you know, he, he overplayed his guys. He, he had everyone run into the ground, but he was saying, you know, the one year where he really had guys playing big minutes, they were, in, they were chasing the eight seed in like a dog fight in the Western conference to try and make the playoffs. You can understand why he played his guys so many minutes that year, you know, and then going back to the bulls, obviously he played guys a lot, but, you know, he might have been – he might be able to change now, you know, kind of all things considered. And that one year with Minnesota, it was just because they were fighting tooth and nail to get into the playoffs. And, if you know, would Knicks fans really be mad if they have a coach that really wants to make the playoffs? I, well, maybe if they want lottery picks. But you get, you get what I'm trying to say. Not trying to – I mean, for next year's draft, you're not trying to – chase the eighth seed but that's yeah that's next year's because next year's draft is supposed it's, to be loaded be, but yeah really deep mm-hmm. right and that just that you know my closing thoughts are exactly that i i think the front office hires are, are you you understand the thought process behind them and that you you're bringing guys in from winning organizations uh you know like i, I keep saying you know you bring a scout from the jazz that's been successful for 19 seasons and been a part uh, you know, I, and I, I think the Jazz have been one of the more consistent organizations in the NBA. I, I mean, you know, no, they haven't been able to reach that championship status, but they put a very good product on the floor often, uh, you know, even even this year. But leading up into this season, remember, we were talking a lot about the moves they made uh, and really like the Jazz heading into this season. And they're a tough team. They're a real tough team to, have to match up again. So, you know, you bring in, you know, Perrin and, and, you know, these other guys, I really like it. But for me, what I just kind of talked about at the end is you, you got you to gotta get the right coach in there now. And if you do that, I really like the direction the Knicks are heading. You know, and I, I've been saying this a little bit more and more the last couple of years. I, I can see some of the things they're trying. They're trying to get, you know, out of the mess they've been in for several years previous and try to do different things. They're giving credit for that. Uh, but it's nice to see that, you know, I, I think these are positive hirings. You know, time will tell. But I do understand the thought process by it. And now it's about finding the right coach. But with that being said, uh, we'll wrap this up right here. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Knicks State of Mind Podcast.